0: That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Well, it has been yet another crazy 24 hours in the world of professional wrestling. But hey-ho, we have an AEW pay-per-view to talk about. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to look off into the abyss like we're weird... We're going to talk about it. So my friends, that's right. It is ups and downs for At World's End. And my gosh, it's the very last day of 2023. So we're jamming one more of these in. As we are here, I want to give you a salute and say thank you so much for being part of all this for the last 12 months. When we get to 2024, the madness continues because two plus two equals potato. Whoever so you knows what that means, let's up those downs. And it was nonsense that kicked off At World's End. I loved it. But we brought an end to the Continental Classic because we had Brody King and Roosh and Jay Lethal and Jay White. And they were taking on Claudio Castagnoli, Mark Briscoe, Brian Danielson and Daniel Garcia. And it just made you go, this tournament has been great. Now, it kind of feels like given who was involved, they could have done this in their sleep. But very nicely, they were awake. So it was even better. We tied in a bunch of stories too because Nigel McGuinness was melting down on commentary going, this Brian Danielson, he absolutely sucks. And if you're talking about who we spotlighted here, well, it was essentially Danny Garcia. Bruce and Claudio also started this off and they hit the go button. And then Jay Lethal and Mark Briscoe were back in there, which ties into the tournament. And you had Brody King just destroying people. And Danny Magic was on commentary going, oh, Garcia, we love you. So all you had to do was sit back and go, hey, I'm having a good time. We also got Jay White and Danielson. I'm not sure if they've interacted before in AEW, although I could be completely wrong. Because there's so much wrestling. And at one point, Garcia just tagged himself in because he was sick of the backboard combat club insulting his wiggly jiggly dance. I totally get it. He then found himself at the other end of the ultimate in disrespect, because Roosh too was mocking his dance, so I get it. If you are a dance and you're watching this, and you feel offended, you're perfectly allowed. It also allowed Mark Briscoe to get the hot tag, and that's always warm and fuzzy and your tum-tum stuff, as Claudio was hitting cigar uppercuts and Brian Danielson was doing crazy dives. Mark then did that big elbow to the outside he loves doing. And all of a sudden we switch sides and the bad guy were like, well, anything you can do, we can do better. And they went back at the good guy. Castagnoli was having none of that, though, so he hit the big swing on Brody King, which makes no sense when it comes to physics. Where from nowhere, Jay Lethal locked on the figure four to Garcia. And I was like, dance, Danny, dance. He was saving that, though, because he did bust out the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment surprise roll-up, and he got the one, two, three, and that's when he did his jiggle, but also the Blackpool Combat Club were looking at him like, oh, hi, you did a really good job. There's also more here too, because Jay Lethal was talking to Sanjay Dutt, and I don't think he's long for Jeff Jarrett's crew. And I want to point out, when Garcia did start moving his hips, this crowd went absolutely crazy. So talking about 2024, we have something with Dan, so let's push him to the moon to the point we have to see him with a telescope. Well, we got one of the honest matches for a while, because apparently one of these participants is leaving AEW. This did seem to be confirmed by Tony Khan in the post-press conference, because he was all like, listen, Andrade's contract is coming up, and while we would love to re-sign him, whatever he does, I just want to say I'm a big fan. So maybe he turns up in WWE, maybe as soon as Monday. What? Turn play to all elite wrestling though, because if you are on your way out, they don't treat you like a jobber. And he was still in here with Miro and they had a really competitive match. And of course, in terms of the C2, Drive was kicking all the ass. Now I really do hope we see more of the Redeemer in 2024 because I'm just a huge fan. And these two just had a great match and CJ Perry was on the outside, which was going to tie into the finish. But going back to reality, she's had a very tough time as of late. So I thought it was nice that she was here. Miro was also really mad at Andrade's jacket. So before he even took it off, he was getting pounded. And for a little while here, that was just the story of the match. Andrade would be like, whoa, tranquilo. And Miro would rip his head off. Now Perry was getting more and more mad at this as you kept telling Andrade, you've got to fight back, you've got to fight back. So Miro was yelling at his wife and then CJ was yelling at her husband. Now I started scratching my non-existent beard because I was like, something isn't cooking here. And I was right. Finally, Andrade did start listening, though, and he threw Miro over at an table when he went back to those dragon screws. And the ultimate comeback move of 2024, 2023, the crossbody. Although I don't think it pinned anybody this entire year. So that move sucks. He also had moonsault to the floor, so it's not like he didn't have his working boots on. <laughs> He just turned around, and whoop, he was in the game over. He had to scramble to the ropes. This is when Miro was distracted by his wife again, so Andrade went after his legs, no matter how big you are. If you can't walk, you're going to be at a disadvantage. Well, we kind of had a figure four off, because Miro had the figure four on Andrade, and Andrade went to turn that into the figure of eight, when all of a sudden, do you know what CJ Perry did? She leant in the ring when the ref wasn't looking, and she kind of took Andrade's arms, so he fell to the floor. That's right, she screwed him over. Damn. They allowed Miro to get back to his feet where he smashed him with the match kick, got a one-two and then applied the game over and got the tap-out win. But he too was looking at CJ after this like, well, what did you do that for? I don't really understand. And I kind of have to agree with that because when you go through this storyline, CJ Perry turned up and said she wanted to be a manager, managed Axel Andretti for about three seconds, then managed Andrade for like a week and then she just went with Miro anyway. So really, maybe we should just put these two together from the start. So in that sense, it does have to get her down. However, those two being back together is the right move. And also, I thought this match was great, all things considered. Once again, it was just a good time. You didn't have to overthink it. Give it an up. When timeless Tony Storm retained her AEW title against Rio. Now, this was kind of obvious because one, Tony's only just won that championship. And two, while justified, Rio's only just come back. But I did like how we played it here because for a good old while, the timeless one was just beating her up. But when Luther got involved one too many times and the referee said, you must leave now, all of a sudden Rio saw her opening, damn it, she went for it. She came back with punches, the head scissors and the tiger kick when she too went for the ultimate comeback move of 2020 through the crossbody. And it didn't work either. So I'm sorry. I've said it once. i saying it twice. That move sucks. Rio then went stomp crazy and got the dragon suplex for a one-two-oo. When we stitched it around, because Tony Storm hit the Storm Zero, and she too only got a one 2 ooh. That's when I was like, ha, 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 I know it's going to happen. My hand wasn't doing this. there be something wrong with me. I was right as well, because from nowhere, Tony just went boop. And she hit the DDT, and she got the three. And that rhymes. You know that would definitely please Jake Roberts, as it did Mariah May. Because she was here. She was flowers around. Tony stomped it. Ah, I can't believe it. I really enjoy this act. This was fine though. And the only real sort of downside was that the result was never in doubt. That's okay. Sometimes you can figure it out. Giving it an up. Orange Cassidy then backstage accepted a challenge from Dante Martin. Even though Dante didn't make a challenge at all. So I just want to let you know. I am very much enjoying this new gimmick. Be very careful what you say around the piece of fruit. When very sadly we got sadness. So do it with me. Three, two, one. Because for reasons I did not expect, we did not get Keith Lee versus Swerve Strickland, even though we've been waiting for that since 1422. And that's because as Keith tweeted out on social media, he is injured and he wasn't cleared. So look, I of all people have been waiting for this thing for ages. But when it comes to somebody's health, take it, kick it over there. I do not care. and I really hope that Keith Lee is doing okay. We did make sure that Swerve was still in action though, because he was taking on Dustin Rhodes. Where did that come from? Now I saw some people upset that Strickland didn't just smash him up. I was like, man, come on. How many times in real sports have you seen the veteran team take on the current team and somehow the old guard take it to the new guard? It's fun when that happens. And look, Swerve still won, it's totally fine. That's basically what happened here as well. The only real surprise is the Swerve keeps on going mega heel. Because at the start of this, Prince Nana was like, haha, ha, I've got another cinder block and Swerve was like, that's a great idea. And they just smashed Dustin Rhodes into this. And because it was for the bell, a bunch of medical practitioners came out and said, listen, Dustin, you can't wrestle. But because he said, no, actually I can. Everyone, well, if that's what you said, be our guest. I love stupid wrestling. I do have to say, I think eventually we just have to crown Swerve Strict as a baby face because people loved him even though he used the cinder block. Also, bring it down. There it is. The crime counter. You would definitely get arrested. He also beat up Dustin for a while when Nowhere roads came back with the Canadian Destroyer and the Unnatural kick. And maybe he would have done better. But of course, Prince Nana was on the outside casting distraction. What a goober. Dustin was still able to spike him with a power driver for a one-two-oo. When I swear, he went... And he spat at Strickland. When it comes to 2023, what is the deal with p- spitting? So that sounded like a Jerry Seinfeld bit when, yes, yeah, Strickland just bust out all of the house calls when he snapped Dustin Rhodes' arms and he hit this really cool swerve stump because Dustin Rhodes was basically sat up and he pinned him for the one, two, three. So look, we did what we had to do. Sometimes you got to pivot. So I am going to give it an up, but I do have to say I don't think in this instance we needed all the other shenanigans. That's where I actually very rarely agree with the crazies. While you could have them be competitive, Swerve Strickland probably could have just beaten Dustin Rhodes without using a cinder block. So while I do love that, and it will make me laugh for a while, it's getting it down. When we got to the second eight-man tag of the evening, Oh boy. So we do have to talk about it and if you've got no idea what I'm going on about either Google it or just don't worry about it for a few seconds and all I'm gonna say is this. At the moment we have no idea what's going on with Chris Jericho. I mean there's a bunch of stories out there when you go on the internet it's just people yelling at each other which never helps but as we have nothing official you really shouldn't start speculating because we just don't know. So I really can't comment on it because I actually think that would be super unprofessional of me but what I do want to get across is this. Always support victims, always listen to victims and don't go around shouting at victims. Just let things play out. And for goodness sake, why can't we all just be nice and respectful for just one second? So let's just make sure they are at the front of your minds, because that's what matters. And if we could all be adults about this situation, well, I think that would be better for everyone. Anyway, it was Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Sting and Darby Allin taking on Powerhouse households to catch up Big Bill and Ricky Starks. And for what it was. Well, I thought it was perfectly fine. It did suffer greatly given everything we've just talked about and fans making sure their voices were heard. But your voices should be heard. If that's what you want to do at an event, you absolutely should. It was this great bit, though, where Jericho did smack Billy Boy from the top rope and powerhouse Hobbs got in there, just getting this crazy spine buster. That guy is a beast. Don Callis was also distracting Darby Allin, which means he did miss his Coventrop. And De Kester hit the least devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the Blue Thunderbolt. And look, did it look amazing? Yes, but did it win? Of course it didn't, it never does. We also got this thing hot tag, which is absolutely be a thing before he does retire in March 2024, when Takesta grabbed Darby Allen and dropped him right on his head with a German suplex. And I was like, Guten Tag Alfie Vaz A. Sting then got hit with a big old knee, but he laughed that off and just locked in the Scorpion deathlock. When he saw Don Callis coming to the ring with a baseball bat, he was like, damn it, Don, I'm sick of you. He chased him away. Sammy was then having his moment because he got speared out of his boots by Ricky Starks. But when he went for the Rochambeau, Guevara got out of that. He hit the GTH. He hit a shooting star press when he basically went to Ricky Starks' knees. That looked horrible. And he got the Uno dos tread. So that makes sense, even though people are melting down. But if you do want to do Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara versus Big Bill and Ricky Starks for the tag team titles, well, now you can justify Sam being in it he just beat one half of the champions. So this was exactly what it was meant to be. So I am going to give it an up. Powerhouse Hobbs and Takeshita especially look really good. But there's a down for everything else because there's nothing worse when you just want to sit down and watch a wrestling program and all this other noise is getting in the way. Again, it's far more important than the wrestling and it absolutely needs to be investigated. But these two things can exist at the same time. So yeah, down. when Julia Hart defeated Abaddon to retain the TBS title. Maybe that was one of the overall issues with At World's End. You could kind of telegraph all the results. That's not a bad thing. Sometimes it's not a good thing either. Fair play to both these people as well, though, because they have absolutely smashed it. Like, Julia Hart has had a standout year. When it comes to Abaddon, the more you allow them to feature on TV, well, the character just gets over because it's really spooky-wooky. Because Julia is also spooky-wooky, though. At one point, they had a spook-off or a face-off but they were looking at each other being spooky. I can't lie. I sat there and I was like, <laughs> this is great. There's also house rules too, which means there are no rope breaks. You get 20 count on the outside. And I think DQs don't count. At first I was like, why would Abaddon choose that? Abaddon is meant to be a demon. And I realized, oh no, wait. The stipulation that Abaddon chose was biting is allowed. But that also annoyed me because as we saw about two matches time, Everybody just bites everybody else at AEW anyway. Abaddon was still able to hit this boss man slam and just punch Julia right in the face, which for some reason tickled me. Then after they'd been hurled to the floor, Hart was just choking them in the ropes. The ref was like, well, there's nothing I can do about this because there is no rope breaks. And Julia Hart just decided, man, I'll let them go. So why don't you try and kill them? To be fair, it was more of a case of Abaddon realizing, oh, my meter is full. So I am going to bite you. Such a strange sentence to even say. I don't know how we got here. Abaddon also came back to the sidewalk slam for a one-two-ooh when they bit Julia Hart's head, which is a very interesting strategy. But surprise, surprise, that distracted the referee when who appeared from nowhere and pushed Abaddon off the top rope? It was that damn sky blue. Now, to be fair, Abaddon was having none of that, so totally murked her. This was always going to go bad because Julia took her time to take a med pack. She recovered. She took Abaddon's head and she smashed it into Simba the Still Steps over and over again. Julia hit that damn moonsault, which does look very, very good. She got the one, two, three. So what did we learn here? Abaddon needs friends. So again, this did exactly what it had to do, and not everything has to be a five-star classic. 6.25 in the Tokyo Dome. It's ticked all the boxes up. When we just had all the fun, man, I love this shit. But it was Adam Copeland versus Christian Cage for the TNT title, and I should have known, because these two said it's going to be no DQ. <laughs> Man, they just went crazy. I mean Copeland attacked Christian instantly when he was like in the crowd and drinking people's drinks, being like, Whoa. And when Nick Wayne turned up to try and help, he spanked him too. And then, because they were in the audience, Edge decided, excuse me, Adam Copeland, old habits die hard. Oh, I don't care I'm 50 years old. I'm gonna climb up this really high balcony and I'm gonna dive onto everyone. This man is nuts. If it wasn't for those meddling kids too, or trying to go for a spear, he wouldn't have gone into Rita the Ring post either. And this when Christian took over. And look, it must be because they're friends. They were laying in stuff so stiff. the point, once again, it made me laugh. I mean, he stomped on Adam's face at one point. Of course he did. The kendo stick then came into play, because of course you can't have a hardcore wrestling match without a kendo stick. When man, he got a chair, and he basically put it over Adam Copeland's neck, When he applied the Boston Crab and he was also sitting on the chair. Now, one, he's not even from Boston, so what's he doing? But also, two, I think I've ever seen that before. We were then using steel rods and steel chairs and more kendo sticks. When Copeland decided, now, man, I want to escalate this, so he went and got a ladder, I tell you, wrestling fans are the best. They just lost their minds. This then meant people were being slingshot into the thing and we got this crazy powerbomb from the top. And when that wasn't getting the victory either, they both went, well, you know what we got to do? we got to go get tables. What? Nick then started interfering, though, because one, it was an ODQ, and he was worried about his fake tat, but he should not have done that because Copeland is a crazy guy. Well, actually, Christian Nick Wayne and crazy guys because they set the damn table on fire, and when it went out, Adam was like, fine, I'll put more lighter fluid on it. He had an even bigger fire, and he powerbombed Nick Wayne through it. I was like, I don't know how we got here, and how are we going to get home? And some idiot on the internet was shouting, oh, he only clipped the side. And I was like, damn it, the table was on fire. I don't care if only your little pinky goes in there. That's going to hurt like hell. It also meant we had this wonderful ending, because Christian was waiting. He tried to hit Adam Cope with the TNT title, but he got out of the way. He hit the kill switch of all the things, and he got the one, two, three. I'm not kidding you. For about eight seconds, he was the champion. But then we got more shenanigans. Because on the pre-show, Luchasaurus, now kill switch, had won a 20-man battle royal to become the number one to for the TNT Championship and it turns out this is just money in the bank he was here he clubbed Adam in the back of the neck when he had the contract he was like man I'm gonna sign it I want my match right now this is when Cage returned though he said something to the dinosaur probably like oh your ancestors have been done for millions of years don't forget I'm the only one who loves you so he gave Christian the contract who signed it then and there and he just pinned Adam Copeland meaning he was the TNT Champion again Oh my gosh, I love this so much. It was so dumb in the best possible way. And these two, because they're damn geniuses, pulled it off like kings. I should also point out there was poetic justice here, because Christian did hit Adam Copeland with a spear before he got the one, two, three. I'm just giving it a massive round of applause. What a roller coaster. So yes, it's pure sports entertainment, but who gets it more than this pairing? And now I can't wait for their next match. because They just don't know what they're going to do. In match two, we had fire tables, so I am going to give it an up. If you have 15 minutes today, you got to go watch it. And it was the same for the next match, too, because it was Eddie Kingston versus John Moxley to see who was going to win the C2. Just flubbing brilliant. Someone also tweeted me, going, Man, Simon, these two just love kicking the ship out of each other. And we could honestly leave it there. That was essentially the whole point of the match. Brian Anderson also came out to do commentary because he wanted a front row seat to this. And while Mox and the Kingston kind of grappled to begin with, when this didn't work, they were like, Man, screw it. And they just started punching each other in the face and doing chops. These were vicious. Eddie then did this dive and basically tombstoned himself when he landed, but Moxley didn't care. Cause he dragged him back in the ring. He hit a German suplex and he hit the paradigm shift when we were teasing that Eddie was gonna get counted out. Can you imagine? Mox cared about none of this though. So when Eddie did get back in the ring, he just pile drove him. But do you know what Edward did straight away? He bit John Moxley. I was like, damn it, I told you. We then went back to the chopping, but honestly Kingston started to hit John Moxley so hard that he kind of fell to his knees And this definitely worked because the crowd went absolutely crazy. Mostly because they were watching one man try to kill another man. They were then hitting each other with moves and basically popping back up at one before going all woozy-goozy because it was out of control when Eddie hit this Northern Lights bomb. And I tell you, when you were talking about one, two, ooze, it got me. We then started elbowing each other in the head because there's goals in those brains. (laughs) When John Moxley hit this lariat on Eddie Kingston. And look, when he went down, he was like, oh, my arm. Maybe he was just selling, but he probably wasn't either. He just collided with this man, and I kind of fell over too. We had then done everything, so we started doing headbutts and just slapping each other. And my word did I love the finish, because from nowhere, Eddie Kingston just went, bah, and he hit this back fist, and he got the one, two, three. Now, like, it did kind of come out of nowhere, but you need to see the move in action. He smacked John right in the jaw. And I was a little bit wide for him. I was also totally elated because, of course, it meant Eddie Kingston had won the C2. And he's now the first AEW Triple Crown winner. Once again, you got people going, oh, man, this was too obvious. That's why it was the right thing to do. Sometimes you don't want to be 2 plus 2 equals potato. You want to be 2 plus 2 equals 4. And seeing Eddie Kingston treated this like he just won the lottery made me feel warm and fuzzy in my tum-tum. I totally loved it. Fair play to Eddie as well because he was celebrating. He also looked into the camera and said, "Rest in peak mad, Kurt. Something I would just like to address here quickly too. If you don't know Curtis Chapman who was a British wrestler passed away over this weekend and while I admit the only interactions I had with him were backstage at shows he was the nicest guy ever and he was genuinely funny and when it came to his in-ring work I tell you man he was a gifted performer. So I just wanted to send all my thoughts and love to his friends and family. I can't imagine what they're going through right now. And if you do have 5 minutes today to go watch a Curtis Chapman match, one, you're going to have a good time and two I think that would be a nice thing to do so this is gonna get it up as well and the c2 from start to finish has been totally brilliant I cannot wait for next year which brought us to the main event I just tell you now so you can start freaking out in the comments and subscribe when you're there too I thought it was great give me nonsense all of the time it also felt supercharged because MGF wasn't his hometown and we played up to that but also we had this thing hanging in the air that maybe just maybe Samoa Joe could become the world champion as we know, that's the secret source. We also basically telegraphed what was going to happen, too, because who made their surprise return to AEW before this? It was Adam Cole. Straight away, I was looking at his wonderful hair and beard, and I was like, I know what you're going to do, Mr. Devil. But at the same time, I didn't know. MJF poked Joe right in the eye to start this as well. That was a terrible idea, because Samoa then just started to work over his shoulders and all his injuries. And do not forget, Friedman is actually suffering for real right now. It kind of made me feel a little bit worried in my tum tum. Joe wasn't having any of this kangaroo kick as well, so he just launched Friedman from the ring. When he got back in there, he booted him right in the face. That's why I started to panic. This man was getting stumped. He also hit this insane muscle buster on the ring, apron, which is the hardest part of the ring. It's when we cut to Adam Cole. He was like, oh no, I can't believe this is happening. I was like, damn it, you're lying. MJF then kept escaping the muscle buster, which is a terrible idea, because it was just annoying Samoa Joe. And even when Max acted like he was gonna get back into this, his body gave out on him and he crumpled up on the floor Looked like he was done. Remember when he did hit the heat seeker for a one-two, myself included, everybody went crazy. But also when Samoa Joe had him in the kikina clutch, when MJF decided, well, I've got to wiggle like a fish to get out of this. But when he was doing that, whoops-a-daisy, he took out the referee and it was all about to go bad. And it kind of helped because Max whacked Joe right in the penis when, I kid you not, he got him up on his shoulders and he gave him an F5. Off my face. I couldn't believe it. Who knew he was so strong? It also led into another one-two-ooh, and by that point I had no idea which way this was going to go. When MJF went to Adam Cole, it was like, give me the diamond ring, give me the diamond ring. And if you can believe it, Mr. Cole wasn't able to find the diamond ring. Isn't that convenient? It meant Samoa Joe was back with another Kikina clutch. This is when we did the fake finish from Bret Hart versus Randy Piper back at WrestleMania, because Maxwell tried to do that pin but Joe wouldn't let go and he continued to choke him. And talking about that period, yeah, we tied it all in because the referee started to do the hand thing. You know what I mean? When you pick the hand up, no one does this. What's even happening? But the point is Joe had this choke locked thing so deep that the ref did pick up MJF's hand once and then twice. And of course we've all been conditioned that you get to two and a half and it will start wibbling and wobbling like it's out of control. But this time, no, it fell to the three. So the ref looked around, and he's like, well, I guess that's it. He called for the bell. So one, not only is flipping Samoa Joe the brand new AWO champion, but two, we just told loads of fans, hey, next time you see this spot, it could be the end of the match. It kind of meant the audience was silent here because, again, nobody saw it coming. But I do just want to say this. When it did wash over me, I was so damn pleased that Samoa Joe was the champion because he deserves to be in that position. don't get me wrong too i think mgf is great as well what an amazing year he had there was then even more because of course we had to pay this off and the devil's henchmen were here and not only did they grab mgf but they grabbed adam cole and they had a chair and bless cole and mgf they were both going no hit me don't hit the other one when the lights went out pay the damn bill it was all a ruse though because of course when they came back on adam cole was sitting in this chair because that's right he's the devil Poor Max looked like he was about to cry when the goons revealed themselves that it was Roderick Strong, and it was Matt Taven, it was Mike Bennett, and it was Wardlow. So look, it was everybody you predicted, but this goes back to what I just say. The reason it was obvious is because it was the right thing to do. What did you want, Shane McMahon? Just so you got on the internet and go, oh, I can't believe it. Don't be stupid. MJF at this point was also begging for answers because he was so broken. And instead, all he got was a Wardlow powerbomb as Adam Cole pulled out the devil's mask as the pay-per-view went off air so I enjoyed all of this and yes it's pure sports entertainment but I like sports entertainment and now I want to tune into dynamite to see what's going to happen next also Adam Cole is so good as a heel and we know how great he is when he's leading a faction I think this is going to be grand it's getting an up which brought us to the end of our world's end and I admit it when you compare it to other AEW pay-per-views this was very hit and miss for very many reasons but it's still going to get an up like it probably won't last long in the memory aside from a few things but was I entertained yes Yes, I was. That's all I can ask. Now, please do click the video on the screen, which is ups and downs for Dynamite to support all of professional wrestling and my stupid show. But otherwise, Happy New Year. Have a great end of 2023. I will see you in 2024. Let's go even crazier then than we did here. Whatever that means, Happy New Year. Goodbye.
0: Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim?